Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Good morning. Welcome to Jazz Shapers, where the shapers of business join the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. I'm Elliot Moss, and I'm very pleased to say we've got a special version of the programme today, because you should know this by now, but just in case you hadn't spotted it, it is the first full day of the Love Supreme Jazz Festival, where we will be, ladies and gentlemen, in exactly one hour's time for our amazing weekend of programmes. We had to start this weekend in style here on Jazz Shapers, and I'm pleased to say that our guest today is the man at the very centre, the epicentre, no less, of Love Supreme. He's smiling. You won't be later. <laughs> I hope you will, actually. The UK's largest greenfield jazz festival. We're joined by founder and festival director, we should have a little ripple of applause, Ciro Romano. Music and the live music experience was Ciro's passion from an early age, but family aspirations led him to become a corporate lawyer. Six years later, he had an epiphany while arguing about stamp duty at 4am and he moved to Universal, a music label where he says he learned everything there was to learn about the music industry. In 2001, he founded Neapolitan, a music management company and label that signed the rights to one of my favourite films, Slumdog Millionaire, and its soundtrack. And it did rather well, you may have noticed, selling more than two million albums worldwide. And while Syrah was thinking, what's next? He noticed there was no outdoor jazz festival in the UK. It's not about the gap in the market, he thought, but the market in the gap. In 2013, Love Supreme Jazz Festival was born as a commercial venture between Ciro and two other investors, Ingenious and Jazz FM. In 2016, Universal, now Vivendi, bought out Ingenious and Jazz FM's share of the business and entered into a continuing partnership with Ciro on this, and since have created other music events such as Nocturne Live. Love Supreme has now grown into the largest jazz festival in the UK, with a weekend attendance in excess of 50,000 people. We'll be talking to Sarah in a few minutes about all of this, about the joy of live music and embracing the unknown. Plus, all our music this morning comes from brilliant artists who are on the amazing bill this weekend at Love Supreme. Here's one of them. It's Snarky Puppy with Thing of Gold. That was Thing of Gold from Snarky Puppy. They are one of the big acts at Love Supreme Jazz Festival, which was brought to you by none other than the founder himself. He's sitting here. It is Cyril Romano, my business shaper today. Hello. Hello. How are you feeling? Months and months of preparation. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm uh, feeling positive about it. We're, um, we've sold a lot of tickets and uh, the weather looks good. And generally speaking, everything seems to be plodding along nicely without any crises so far. Hard to... Think about the joy of music. Easy if you're a consumer like me, you're yeah. in the business. But when, if ever, do you step back and look at the stage in front of you, the goosebumps that happen to the crowd when they see a Lauren Hill, a Gladys Knight, a Jamie Cullum, a Jimmy Cliff, or whoever else is going to be headlining? Do you ever go, I did this? Generally, no. But sometimes towards the end of the final headliner on the Sunday night, I, I look at the crowd and I see this joyous communal experience communal not just with people that you know but people that you don't know and i do get a little moment where i think mm. this wouldn't be happening if 
I hadn't done it. So yes, that, that, occasionally there's that little moment. But generally, generally speaking, we don't think about it too much. I mean, here we are in 2019. You started life as a lawyer. Yeah. Um, and I know lawyers quite well, as you can imagine. Um, very different world. Can you remember that Ciro that, w- that was a lawyer? Does that, that person still feature in everyday working life for you? And if, and if so, how? To a certain extent, yes, because the things that I learned as a lawyer, attention to detail, stamina, because you need that when you're practicing law, especially corporate law, gave me a base from which to launch my own business. And I think that had I not spent those 10 years as a lawyer, either in a corporate law firm or in-house at Polygram and Universal, I don't think I'd have the kind of inner steel that I have running my own business. Now, running your own business is a thing that, again, I've met many people over the eight years of doing this program, and some, mm-hmm. quite a few are lawyers, actually. And I always say most lawyers aren't entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. So where did that little sense of I can do something on my own or I must do something on my own come from? Well, I think, I didn't know this at the time, but looking back on it now, I think it was always there in me. And I came from an entrepreneurial background. My father was a self-made man. Uh, but as I, as I kept on practicing law... I realized that I wanted to be the guy on the other side of the table. I realized I didn't really want to be the advisor. I wanted to be what lawyers call the principal. I realized that maybe after three or four years. But of course, you're trying to do the best in in your job. You're trying to learn it. So it takes a while to really, for the penny to drop, to think I should be moving on now because you're trying to do what you're doing well, impress people and do the best that you can. But I think it was always in me and it took a few years of practicing to realize that I should... I should leave. Stay with me for much more from the founder and festival director of the Love Supreme Festival, which is what we will be coming up with live um, in the next hour. Plenty more coming up from Sarah. Uh, but first, the real musical treat is Jamie Cullum, recorded live at Love Supreme back in 2014. We'll be hosting Jamie in the Yamaha Discovery Tent on Sunday. We'll be having an onstage chat with him, and of course, he'll be performing live. So if you're nearby, do pop in and see Nigel in conversation with Jamie Cullum. Here he is with Everything You Didn't Know. That was Jamie Cullen with everything you didn't know. It was live at the Love Supreme Festival back in 2014, but we're in 2019 now, and it's Jazz Shapers with a warm-up act, Ciro. Ciro Romano is my business shaper before uh, the live music kicks off from uh, 10 here on Jazz FM. So I, you'd mentioned that you're... We talked about that. When did you realise you wanted to become the principal mm-hmm. on the other side of the table, become yeah. the boss, as it were? And you touched on the fact your father was an entrepreneur, Mario, and he was described uh, as the grandpapa of Italian dining. So I think he opened or rather owned 36 restaurants. Is that true? He owned true? 36 restaurants over, over, over a period of time, yes. Not all at once. No, not all at once. That no. would have been quite a lot of work. No. Um, I worked in a few of them. <laughs> do, yes, I was going to say, so, you know, those years when you were growing up, mm. you were around that. Did you, what did you learn from that? What did you see? Was there was there happiness and ease? Was there the ups and downs, the roller coaster of an entrepreneur? And is there really going to be food on my table mm. in my house? It, it, it was a combination of of all those things. I mean, the first thing that I re- I really saw was just the amount of work that went into it. Like my father was 
out early in the morning and back very late at night. Uh, he was quite stressed a lot of the time. I think running restaurants and building restaurants mm -hmm. is um, very, very challenging. But I think he had a real happiness doing what he was doing. He was, he was really a bit of a pioneer in that world. Before, before my father, it was pasta and meatballs in Glasgow. So he introduced silver service, you know, the old dinner dancing from the 70s and 80s. So he pushed it up, basically, over there. And that's why he was well-known there. So he was, that was his thing. Mm. But I think that I, I, saw, I saw great pride in what he'd achieved, but with uh, parallel stress. And the reality. The yeah, reality of exactly. what it was and like. Up and, and it was a bit up and down sometimes. We moved house a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the music thing, because here we are now, you know, you've been ensconced in this industry for 20 years or so, yeah. whether you're a lawyer or whether you're doing your own thing or longer, actually. Where did that come from? Where's that love? I mean, I mean, many of us love music. People listen to Jazz FM love music, but you've gone into the business. So, so I think from, again, I didn't realise it at the time, but looking back on it from a very, very early age. So we had music in the house. My mother, I remember the seven-inch Italian, they immigrated in the mid-60s. So we had a lot of seven-inch Italian pop records. So we would listen to them. And then by the time I was about 10 or 11, I was very into music. I mean, I was buying a lot. I was buying magazines. I was then started going to shows. I mean, I started going to shows at 12 or 13. So I was going to Glasgow Apollo. So I became very obsessed with music during those teenage years. And also I was very into reading about music. I remember just buying all the magazines. So I was very, very interested in the stories behind the recordings and behind the music and interested about the artists. So I think that was the beginning of, of my interest in music. Though I never took it seriously as a career. You know, I was never, you know, mm. going to do I promoted music at university. I, I never thought about it. I was going to do that for a living. And here you, are doing, here you are doing it for yeah. a living. And um, he's going to be coming back again to talk about what he does for a living. It's Cyril Romano. He's my guest today. And because he is the festival director and founder of the Love Supreme Jazz Festival. At first, though, before we come back to him, we're going to be hearing from one of our partners at Michigan Dere with some advice for the business idea that you are thinking about right now. I'm Daniel Farrand. I'm an associate in the planning group at Michigan Dere, part of the wider real estate department. You may find as a, uh, as a business or as a small business or if your business grows that um, you're having problems finding accommodation. This may be partly in due to the fact that permission has been given nationwide with a few minor exceptions uh, to allow offices to be converted to residential. An awful lot of office stock, therefore, is being converted to much more valuable uses for owners. That causes big problems for those who want to occupy small units because those are the ones that are clear targets for the exercise of this right. There is some hope on the horizon, however. Uh, we've been engaged with a few clients uh, on large mixed-use development schemes who have either offered or have been asked to provide starter units for commercial occupiers, um, be they tech startup industries or, or just small office or retail units. This is almost the equivalent of affordable housing for the residential sphere, where uh, in granting permission for housing development, a local authority might insist that some of those are made available to uh, those who can't afford afford to occupy it on the open market. A similar sort of concept of affordable commercial units is gaining more ground and is worth investigating. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. There are many ways for you to enjoy all our former Jazz Shapers and indeed to hear this programme with Sir again. You can ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers and there you can hear many of the recent shows. Or if you put Jazz Shapers into iTunes or your 
preferred podcast platform, I have to say that as well, you can enjoy the full archive. But back to today and back to Ciro, because our programmes are about to get underway from Love Supreme 2019. So who else should we have with us here other than Ciro Romano, the Love Supreme founder and director, festival director too? So I've kind of established that there's this Ciro, the young boy, likes music. He sees dad working hard, but the ups and downs of that. Um, you've then moved through law, and I'm now kind of at the point where you've made that decision to do your own thing. Mm. And it doesn't sound like that happened in a minute. It was a brewing, it was, was going to happen at some point. It was yeah. just a question of when. At that point, though, what finally enabled you to go, oh, I'm going to do this? Seagram purchased Polygram in... 1999, I think it was, and then they merged with Universal. So I stayed with with, with the company. A lot of people were fired, including my boss at the time. Uh, And I stayed for about two years, I'd say. And I think, you know, working in big companies, it's interesting because you can get a promotion on your... um, your title, get more money, yet you still you still somehow feel demoted. <laughs> and I think that's what happened to me. I think um, I did get a promotion. I did get more money to stay, but the structure was different. And I think a combination of that, I think looking back on it now, a combination of that together with the things that you were talking about earlier, mm. uh, that, that was the catalyst really. So I stayed for about two years, two or three years with, uh, with Universal and then left. Now, the, the other thing about um, people that I sit with, there's, there's, there's at least two um, archetypes, mm-hmm. not stereotypes, but archetypes of entrepreneurs. Some are thunder, bluster, the doors will be smashed down and headbutted, mm-hmm. and you will see my way because I am right. Mm-hmm. And there's other people that have come from corporate life who are measured mm-hmm. and who get on with people, who rub well with people mm-hmm. and so on. You strike me definitely as the latter. Yeah. How do you get your own way when you're really clear that what you want to do is right and people aren't buying it? Well, I think... Firstly, you need to know what you want to do. That's really important. Um, And that agenda can be pushed in many different ways. But I think understanding the people who are on the other side, having, I I guess, control of your brief, but but really understanding what other people want uh, is key to getting what, what you want. And and over the years, is that a skill that you've honed or just something that you find quite naturally? So, uh, I've definitely honed it. I, did, I definitely did not have that skill in my 30s. <laughs> yeah. um, in fact... You're a I, man, and I that's le- an age I, thing. I learned from <laughs> not being like that and not getting results. And I noticed that, I, I suppose, the less I want to win this I became, uh, the more successful I became. So I, I definitely, come, especially when you work in those law firms like mm. Clifford Chance and Polygram, which was the biggest record company in the world, you have a very winning mentality. But then when you leave those companies and you don't have the protection of that shell, that doesn't really work. You know, you're trying to build something. So I had to unlearn some of that posturing and be a little bit broader and more intelligent about it. And in the early years, did it feel like you'd made the right decision? Or were there moments early on when you went, I think, Ciro, you have done the wrong thing? Yeah, because again, the rational mind, the, the mind of a lawyer, it picks at things and, and mulls on things and, as you said, goes into the detail of things and it's quite easy to undo your own leap. Yeah. Did that happen at all? So, I, not at the beginning. We started off pretty strongly. We went into management. We managed a couple of big acts. Uh, but then we had a sort of dip round about, I'd say, 2006 to 2009, I'd say, around about two or three years where it wasn't going that well. So, the first few years were good. I felt good about it. But certainly during that period, uh, there were moments where I felt, I wonder whether I 
that I've done the right thing here because it's difficult for me to go back now. And how did you push through on those? Well, when, that, when that's, a, that? that's a really good question, actually, because there was a number of times where I was thinking, what should I do? Should I just give all this up or should I go back to law or go back to a record company, go back to Scotland? But there was just something inside me that felt I could do it. I just hadn't found the right route yet and that I would just keep on going. I just, I remember there was one moment where I um, I'd been offered a job at a major record company about 2008 which was very well paid and I knew the guys there very well and I think turning that down was the tipping point for me where I thought okay I'm not going to do that I'm going to keep on going because I just need to I just need to find the little gap that I need to go through to to do what I want to do and then about a year later everything got better <laughs> lucky, that was about 10 years ago well, lucky you stayed on it because yeah. we wouldn't be going live at 10 o'clock yeah. to the Love Supreme Festival if you hadn't so make sure you stay with us here on Jazz FM um, for that and with Sir Romano it's Jazz Shapers um, and he's going to be with me for a little bit more time for some more music it's another great artist she is also performing live this weekend at the Love Supreme Festival it's Madeline Peru with Dance Me to the End of Love <laughs> That was Madeline Peru with Dance Me to the End of Love. She's on Sunday, uh, Love Supreme Jazz Festival in Glime Place. It's happening live here on Jazz FM exclusively from 10 o'clock today. Very shortly, in other words. But before we go there, to our friend Nigel Williams and many others, um, I'm with the man behind it who had the plan. And we're just talking about a, a, a key moment for Sir Romano, my business shaper, where... Back in 2008, 2009, there was a, actually, do I go into the big world, corporate world again and do I leave this? So you stayed. And then you said, and you, you said to me, I, I love the way you expressed it, there was, I was just trying to find, I wasn't quite in the right place mm-hmm. and needed to find that little space. What was that little space? So w- what's, what's interesting about the live music industry is that traditionally it's been the runt of the litter. You know, so the recorded music industry was the big daddy and then there was music publishing, which is a very big business. But after Napster in 2000, at which point the record industry was a global $40 billion industry, 13 years later, it was a $16 billion industry uh, in 2013, 2014. And during that period, recorded music was going down and down and down. So whilst I was in doing recorded music, man- either in management, I was within that down period. At the same time, live music was going up and becoming more and more important. And of course, I was noticing this, that because when I, in the mid-90s, live music was big, but not as big as it is now. And I was noticing the plethora of festivals that were coming up, bigger live shows, more touring. And I think in about 2008 or 2009, for the first time ever, live music overtook recorded music in terms of overall revenues in the UK. So I had been thinking about that, you know, as in noticing it. And at the same time, I wanted to do something where I had a bit more control, which I think is the crux of it, really. So in management and in recorded music, the hit rate is very low. You know, the hit rate at major record labels, one in 10. If you're out of a major record label, it's much lower than that. So it's, a, it's not a dream business, but it's basically when something hits, it's huge, hugely successful, hugely profitable, and makes up for the losses that you make otherwise. But it's very risky. And I guess I wanted to do, I wanted to stay in music, but do something which was a bit more, you know, 
I book an artist, I sell the ticket, have some more control over what we were doing. Mm. I think with art, especially with artist management, that's not true. Artists don't listen to what you're saying a lot of the time. So I think a combination of those two things was leading me towards doing towards live music. And the other thing, I guess, about live, just as you're talking and, and thinking about it, we live in a world which is much more online, and actually those experiences become of more value because I suppose more of our time is spent looking at a screen than it was historically. So that moment when you can really connect with music as the punter yeah. is a different thing and a special thing. And we see that, whether it's uh, Glastonbury recently, whether it's Love Supreme today, there is something about that collective experience that is is impossible to replicate listening to something on your own well i think in a room i think it's not a coincidence that live music became bigger whilst recorded music became more digital mm. i don't think that's a coincidence i think that people being on their phones listening to music on their phones the sort of death of the album which has definitely happened track-based consuming culture has definitely led to people and friends and communities wanting to have those sort of joyous communal experiences and I think that's what's driven, especially in festivals, what's driven festivals over the last 15 to 20 years. I don't think it's a, a coincidence. Stay with me for my final chat with Sir Romano. Uh, he's the founder and festival director of Love Supreme. You may have noticed, I've said it a few times, it's coming up pretty soon. Um, plus, we're going to be playing a track from Chick Corea and the Spanish Heart Band. That's all come up in just a moment, so don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. That was Chick Career and the Spanish Heart Band with the Yellow Nimbus Part 2. They are in the big top on Saturday at the Love Supreme Festival, which we are going to live. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, listeners of Jazz FM and Jazz Shapers, you are lucky enough to be actually with us live in person uh, with Nigel Williams and the rest of the gang in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I've got a little bit of time with the person responsible for putting all of this together, Sir Romano. He's the founder and um, festival director. A couple of quick things, it's just as an aside, because I think it's, I'm just interested. Slumdog Millionaire, one of my favourite films ever. How did you get involved with the putting that music together? So I don't, I don't want to exaggerate my involvement in that too much. So a, f a friend of mine is a guy called Christian Coulson, who's a very well-known and successful film producer in the UK. He does, he'd done most of Danny Boyle's films, Trainspotting 2, uh, 127 Hours, Slumdog. He also did Selma. So he, he produced that film. And they were struggling a little bit with the music and he approached me and I helped, I guess, put it together and also helped effectively find it a home in terms of, you know, to do something with that music. And I, I took a small, uh, an equity stake in it. So I, I I helped put it put it together, but I didn't I didn't make the no, music. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think, but but it's very revealing when you when you say that because I, it struck me through the conversation that you're super humble and you're like, well, I just do this and I just do that. And there's another example of it. But curation, which is exactly what a festival is about, yeah. it's exactly what a record label is about, it's exactly what a film is about and putting things together, that seems to be something you just do. You f it feels like you're good at bringing people in. Yeah, I think I'm a, I'm a good shaper. Mm. I think I'm a good... I th I'm, I'm pretty good at coming up with ideas and I'm pretty good, I think, at, at shaping something and, and creating something. And, and that's what a festival is. A festival is, you know, you, there's bra your branding... Mm. Booking the artists, 
finding the right aesthetic for what you're doing. So, because the aesthetic is incredibly important in terms of conveying to the public what you want, uh, production, event management, you know, all those different things that bring it all together. And having, you know, you're, you have a core team of 20, 25 people that do that. And bringing all that together and pushing that forward is a key part of what I do. Two questions before we have to um, finish. The first one is about money. We haven't talked about it. Doesn't strike me that it's a big deal for you. You almost ran out of it in the first the year of the festival. <laughs> yes. Things do, things were a bit yeah. a bit 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 dodgy. Um, how important is making a buck? Well, I like making money and I like having money, but it's never been a driver for me. Never. I mean, I could have you know I could have gone into the city. I could have worked in mm. finance. There's lots of things I could have done. But you know, I like you know, I, don't, I mean I'm not. I like making money and but uh, and I'm financially very. Um, you know, I understand the economics of our business, mm. uh, but it's not. It's just never been the driver for me. It's just never been what I care about. So I, I cared about doing something that I wanted to do that could get me out of bed in the morning. That's really, that's really the, the real answer to that. And second question and final one, just before I ask you um, for your song choice, this is all happening today, tomorrow. Yeah. At what moment will you be at your happiest? Uh, this well, it, it depends, really. I mean, if, uh, <laughs> if it's a disaster, <laughs> yeah. I'll be uh, very unhappy. It, I think after Lauren Hill on Sunday, uh, after the Sunday headliner, is always a good, good moment for me. First glass of wine of the weekend. <laughs> it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Um, you and I hope you enjoy the rest of the weekend. I'm sure you and many thousands of people will. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So my song choice is "Strictly Reserved for You" by Charles Bradley. Uh, Charles Bradley, an interesting character, a very difficult life, um, and was signed to Daptone Records very late on in his 60s. And he played at the first Love Supreme in 2013. And I remember watching his performance, and it was really sort of full of joy, as if he couldn't believe, you know, he was there in a field in southern England in, in summertime. And I, I always remember that performance. And we actually, we do a film of the festival after after each festival which we put out and we used the song as the soundtrack to that every time I hear the song it just reminds me of the first year of the festival That was Charles Bradley with Strictly Reserved For You, the song choice of my business shaper today, Ciro Romano. He talked about needing to know what you want to do and having a plan of action as the entrepreneur, as the founder. But also, importantly, he talked about understanding what other people want so that you can frame what you want through their eyes. And really importantly, he talked about undoing some of the posturing that he developed in the corporate world as he became a successful founder. Really, really good stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a great time. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazzshapers. <laughs>